0: Episode 82 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Future think your way through this one. team welcome along to episode 82 of Fitness Behaviour, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that go alongside it. Well, I've just got back from my holiday away. I've just had Joe and I always take a bit of a break at this time of the year and try to head towards somewhere that's a little bit warmer and we just head over to Thailand for a few weeks. We've been to Thailand before and I must say if you're close to that part of the world and it's easy enough for you to have a holiday there... Highly recommend it. It's beautiful. It's warm. It's pretty cheap. Uh, the people are pretty lovely, and you can get very cheap messages <laughs> which I'm always very happy with. Um, just this is an exercise podcast, so <clears throat> maybe just one thing I would mention is the whole idea of who we become when we're on holiday. And you know, obviously, I'm a you know, fitness is a big part of my life, and so when I'm on holiday, I still like to do some exercise, and it's a little bit less than what I do when I'm at home. But most days, pretty much every day on holiday, I do anywhere from 30 minutes to maximum an hour. I think the longest session I did was an hour, but basically anywhere from about 30 to 45 minutes of a workout in my day. And uh, uh, one thing I think that's interesting with holidays, there's different types of holidays, isn't there? There's ones where some people will go and have an adventurous holiday. So you might go climb, do some walk or a bike camp or something like that. And those experiential holidays. Actually, if I think back to the interview I did with Bryce Hastings, a few episodes ago, where he was a real person who has that kind of travel experience. And then there's the travel experience, which is probably a mix of both, and then there's the travel experience, which is mainly about just relaxing. And in some ways, some of the downfalls of it, it kind of goes back to the podcast, the, the, the self-podcast I did a couple of times ago, where the reward can sometimes actually not be, that be rewarding. And I, I think that for some people when they go on holidays, that they almost think it's their time where they can just go into temptation island and what I mean by that is that they're just going to drink as much alcohol as they want they're just going to go crazy on their food they're going to be lazy with their exercise and stuff like that and in some ways that's the point of a holiday and and I have to admit when I'm on holiday I tend to eat a little bit more I don't drink so obviously I'm not going to drink so much but you know I am going to let my hair out a little bit I'm going to be a bit lazy I'm not going to feel bad if I'm kind of just doing nothing with my time that's kind of one of the appeals of that recharge of the holidays I just always think that in regards to that is how much do I want of that and when is it to the point where actually it's maybe working against me and so for me when it comes to exercising when I'm holidaying I I, I like to have downtime I think it's really important for someone who works in fitness to have a period where you aren't doing exercise and, and really this whole I do a little bit each day but I just kind of lessen that low but I, I still really enjoy just getting that little bit each day. And when you are going on holiday, just that whole idea of, how do I let the rains out a little bit, but not let the rains out too much? And that's that whole idea of, you know, do I need to drink alcohol every minute of every day when I'm on holiday? Or do I need to eat excessively in every meal that I have? And, you know, again, it's a part of the experience of just unwinding is to go into temptation a little bit but just a good thing to think about when you are on holiday is you know what is the right level for me to have around my temptations because ideally we want our holiday time to be that moment to enjoy the temptation and to, and to kind of let our hair out a little bit but we don't want it to do so much damage that when we come back from holiday, we've almost got to spend the next period of time just getting back to our start point that we were at when that holiday started. And, you know, as I think about, you know, the last few weeks of my holiday, it was kind of, I tried to find that balance right, where it was a little bit of, you know, keeping myself healthy and then a little bit of kind of just letting go because that's what it's all about. So just want to share my thoughts on that. I do want to share my thoughts on another little area of interest to me, and then I'll get into the main gist of today's show. But the, the, I've got a question for you, and it's a really simple question. And the question is: How often do you laugh? How often? How often do you actually laugh in your life? It's a, it's a really interesting question. How much time do I actually feel joy in my life where I'm laughing? And there's a it's just one of the reasons I think I was just thinking about literally I had lunch about an hour ago and so I was just thinking to myself as I was having lunch I was was having a laugh at something and I think about the way I set up my day and one thing that I do each day is um, I make lunch and, and in my relationship Joe makes dinner pretty much every night and I do lunch and unfortunately for Joe lunch very much in is either a wrap or sandwiches and it's going to be that for pretty much forever I might eventually add a salad but I'm pretty basic when it comes to my food preparation well one thing one thing I realized I made a conscious decision to go now a while ago where I decided to myself that my lunchtime was going to be a time where I laugh and I'm not talking about, like, doing laughing yoga or doing this kind of... Not that I've done anything, or laugh therapy or anything. I, I don't know anything about that world. It'd be interesting to explore, and I imagine there is probably some real value in doing something like that in your life. But for me, what I mean is that for me, when I sit down at lunchtime... So lunchtime, my, my kind of lunchtime habit is I'll, I'll stop somewhere between 11.30 and one thirty, depending on the day... I'll stop my work and I'll go and make lunch. And i spend about 15, 20 minutes making lunch and then I'll eat lunch with Joe. And then I actually have a period where I play some games. So when I'm making lunch, I'll tend to listen to a book. Uh, Then I'll turn off and just spend some time with Joe. And then Joe will actually tend to head off and do her thing. And I like to play games for about 15 minutes. 15, yeah, about 15 minutes. So I'll just jump on the iPhone. I tend to play Yahtzee. Uh, I play six games of Yahtzee and I normally play one game of, of Online Risk. And that takes me about 15 minutes. And while I'm doing that, I always play a podcast to listen to. But one thing I am really consciously do when I'm doing that is I put a podcast on that I know is going to make me laugh. Now, I love podcasts and I love listening to content. But at that moment in my day, as I'm kind of just having a mind refresh, it's the whole purpose of that, that gameplay that I have. It's just 15 minutes, it's just taking my mind off everything. But while I'm doing that, I really love listening to something that makes me laugh, and while I'm listening, playing my games and just kind of spending that 15 minutes, which is a bit of a mental recharge, I'm literally you can I'm sure Jo often just hears me having a bit of a sniggle to myself. Well, actually, she does because she knows my favourite podcasts, and when she hears me laugh, she will just name the name of one of the podcasts. And I just to me, and then after that, I go and meditate. So that kind of that whole block takes about an hour of my day, and I actually think it's a really important hour in my day, because A, I I tend to prepare food healthily if I take that time to do the food, B, I mentally recharge through meditation and playing some games, and then C, when I go back into my work zone, I'm in a place where I'm just really focused and ready to go again, so the second half of my day is much more productive, but there's just something about laughing, And, and I just think that when we think about life, laughter is something that we should be experiencing in our life. And as I asked that question a while ago and I said to you, how often do you laugh? It's 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 some if it's not happening a lot. Well maybe you need to be putting some laughter back into your life. Now my podcast example, my idea of putting and, and I really am quite like I've got some I've listened to comedians podcasts to be honest. And there's some comedians who their podcasts aren't necessarily funny. But you know, it's not that they're not enjoyable and it's not entertaining or they're not insightful or I don't enjoy them. They just don't necessarily make me laugh out loud. But I've got about three podcasts that, for me, I just genuinely find them really funny. And so I'm laughing out loud as I'm listening to them. And for me, in my lunchtime break, that's something I inject into my life. And when you think about other ways you make make you laugh or certain people in your life. Like I've got a friend called Yuki. and Now, Yuki is one of these people who I... I They're an attractive person to hang around with because they they seem to enjoy your company. Now, I like to think I'm at times slightly funny, and I think we probably all do. And and, and am I? Well, debatable. (laughs) Um, But Yuki is one of these guys who just kind of enjoys laughing. And so when you spend time with Yuki, you're always having a laugh. And he he is quite funny himself, but he's also got quite an infectious laugh. And so whenever I spend some time with Yuki, I know I'm going to have a laugh. And I imagine as you think of that question of, do you laugh in your life? You can probably identify the people in your life that make you laugh, or you laugh with. And in some ways, are you spending enough time with that type of person in your life? Because there's just something about laughter that is really good for us. Another way to think about it is, do you look for the opportunity for funny in your life? You know, with your partner, with your workmates, with you know, just those people in your life who you spend your time with. Are you just being a bit funny with them at times? You know, like I love it spending time with Joe, and Joe, Joe. Most people in her world wouldn't see Joe as a comedian, but she's she's got this kind of real funny side to herself, and she just makes me laugh all the time. And that's one of the really the most valuable things I treasure about our relationship. And so, this I know this show is starting in a bit of a weird way because I'm kind of talking about you know travel and and laughter, but I just oh no, I just think that your life is better when you're laughing. And if you aren't laughing a lot in your life, maybe that's a reflection that some things need to be injected into your life. And maybe those things that you inject could be simple things like having a time in my day where I'm going to listen to something that I find entertaining in a laughing way. Or injecting more time with the people in my life who allow me to laugh more. Or maybe having a more of an open-minded approach to the way I approach things that allows me to be more funny in my life. The ultimate question is, would your life be better if you have laughter in it? And if I don't have laughter in it right now, what can I change? And you can change it. You really can. Like making the choice to put on my funny podcast at lunchtime is, is me influencing having laughter in my life. It's making sure I spend that time with the Yukis of my life is me making sure I have more laughter in my life. So, just something to think about. I'm going to get into the main gist of today's show. Now, today's show, I'm to, it's actually going to put a bit of a challenge in front of you. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we'll see how we go with that. And uh, I don't really do that in the show. Back in, I used to do a podcast years ago called, was it Fitness Forever? I can't remember what it was called. It was for a guy called Ish. And <clears throat> what we do is we basically, I think we did a three show pattern. So we're kind of do two shows, which were kind of educational. And then on the third show, we would do a challenge show. And it would basically be like once a month or something like that. And and the whole idea is once a month we'd have a a challenge show. And this challenge show would be about, you know, kind of challenging you guys to achieve something. And uh, it was really appealing. Lots of people loved it. I'm not quite sure why I didn't transfer it over to the show. Maybe it's something I'll end up doing if I make the show a weekly show. So anyway, I'm going to be doing that really soon, but the challenge will be kind of a different challenge, so just something to think about. Before I do that, I need to talk about the patrons, and as always, I have some rock star patrons of the show, and I'm going to put up a few nicknames right now, and here, i actually had a couple new uh, patrons this month, and first is David Hale, David Hale is a man that I actually know, he lives in Canada, Uh, and David, well, when you think Hale, you think Storm, don't you? So I'm going to call David the Unstoppable Storm, David Hale. You like that? The unstoppable storm. Basically, he comes at you, and he is unstoppable. So there you go, David, the unstoppable storm, hail. Now, I've got another new one here, and this is Pavel. So, Pavel, you are a new one, and I am going to say, it's a name that I've never heard before. So it's a name that I, I, I can't, well, it's maybe in New Zealand, but it's not a name that's often used in New Zealand, so it's kind of a different kind of name. So I'm going to call you the mystery and the reason you are the mystery is because nobody knows why you are so good at what you are there you go so pavel you are the mystery so guys if you want to become a patron of the show just go to bevanjamesisles.com all of it's pretty obvious on there click on the patreon link there are some other couple of patrons i also want to give some love to right now and they include uh, we've got paula green the powerful punisher Marion clatt the momentum we've got oh george wild bill baker there we go as well so these people are all patrons of the show as well so there you go game on you want to become a patron go to bevanjamesiles.com and you can get into it righty guys let's get to the main gist of the show one of the the kind of most influential books that have come out around I don't know if it's self-help, but kind of understanding of human behaviour over the last year is, or not last year, over the last few years is the power of habit by Charles Duhigg. Duhigg, I should say. And and the power of habit was I loved it. I have to admit, it was a really, really good book. It's one of those books that you pick up, and it teaches you some insights that can really help you shift your behaviours. Now, admittedly, when you read a lot of books, sometimes there's a lot of crossover, but this one introduced some really cool concepts. It was, it was the book that really taught the idea or showed a lot of understanding around how do we create habits and how do we maintain habits. And one of the very popular stories that got put out a lot in the media from this book was this book, the story about Target. I may have even talked about this on the show in the past, but basically in America, how Target, with big data nowadays, could very much figure out when women were pregnant and they would basically create new catalogs designed on based on the buying pattern so if, if you went to target and you bought from target most of the time well when you get pregnant you tend to change your buying habits slightly and par- target basically through data collection could figure out that you know at the end of the day if these people were buying these things they're probably pregnant, and so we'll change our marketing campaign towards these people so that you know we can capture them in this time. And the, the story in the book that was quite funny was that a father basically rang Target and said, why are you sending all this, these kind of catalogs that are kind of towards pregnant women, towards my, my daughter, who was obviously a late teenager or, or an early 20s mother, and, and it turned out basically his daughter was pregnant and he didn't know. And... The the reason target and this is what the, the probably for me the more interesting part of that target story. So, the the one aspect of that target story that was really interesting was that how companies and the world is getting to know us on a much higher level when it looks at big data, and we could open up a wormhole here around what are the implications for society moving forward on that area, and uh, security and all those types of things. But that's not what this podcast is about. But the reason this, is this to me, that aspect of the story was very fascinating was that target really wants to know when women are pregnant. And the reason target really wants to know when women are pregnant is when we experience change time in our life, we often create a lot of our, or a lot of new buying habits in our buying decisions. So when we think about change times, what are change times? Well, there's some really obvious ones. If you change your job. If you move your home, if you move overseas, if you get pregnant. At these times in your life, your habits are going to change. And then think about your own life. Just think about your own life right now. Like if you think of your everyday habits and you haven't experienced any change in a period of time, imagine a lot of the habits that you have in your everyday are kind of just constantly there. You know, they're kind of just you know, like for example, as I was saying earlier when I was talking about making lunch, and uh, yeah, pretty much I make the same lunch every day, like I have this lunchtime habit. So when Joe and I go shopping and we buy our weekly, you know, shopping food, well, it's pretty much going to be the same thing each week. So why would that change? Well, there might be little tweaks in it over time. You might change one aspect over time, but generally speaking, most of us stick to the same patterns most of the time in our lives. Like again, think of yourself right now what's your breakfast, what's your lunch, what's, what do you mainly have for dinner? I imagine for dinner you probably kind of spread it between maybe you know five to 20 meals. Then it's kind of the same things over and over again. But when we change, when we have this change time, all those habits get thrown up on the air. And, and like those big change moments that I said before, moving job, moving location, pregnancy and things like that. And so for a business... If they can figure out that you're about to change, and they can become your choice at that time, that's a really valuable proposition for them. Because if I can, if I'm target and I understand that you're pregnant, and that you know in this next period of time you're going to go all through this change, if, if, I can almost use, you, I can almost lose money on you in this time. Because if I can understand that, you know what, I can lose some money on this person, make myself look like the deal maker, get them into some habits, and then they stick at those habits for ten years. Well, that's a really good investment for my business. And his book kind of really brought this kind of thinking to the forefront. And I kind of love this because then, like when I work with clients who I know are going through a change period, I we use it as an opportunity to not be subconscious through that time. We use it as an opportunity to kind of go, okay, well, I'm about to go through you know, a thousand changes, you know, right down to what time I'm going to brush my teeth, what time I get up in the morning, the route that I'm going to drive to work, what I'm going to have for breakfast, where I'm going to shop, you know, I'm about to, to go through all of these little changes at one time. And often when people go through that change time, they're not consciously aware of it. It just kind of happens. And when I work with my clients who are going through a change period in quite a massive way, we really try to sit down and we kind of say, well, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to be quite consciously aware of the life that I'm going to create and the habits that I'm going to create so that as I move forward, I'm being my own self-target, if you get the metaphor there, I'm going to be my own self-target so that I'm setting up habits and behaviours that once I set in place, they'll be easy for me to maintain, but also lead me in a much healthier path, both physically and mentally moving forward. And, and that was kind of, and I love this idea is, you know, once we get, it's, I was thinking about it before, like, how do you change someone who's so set in their ways? And it's a, it's a much harder proposition than changing someone when they're at a change period. Because when we're at a change period, we have to change. So let's just be a bit more aware of what we're doing and setting up really good ways. But for that person who's made lunch the same way every day for 10 years, it's a little bit harder. It's kind of that old dog, new tricks thing, isn't it? It's a little bit harder to get that in place. So The Power of Habit had lots of great insight like that and to me it's a book that I highly recommend. It's, um, it was a very very good book. Well recently Charles Duhigg brought out a new book called Faster, Smar- sorry, Smarter, Faster, Better and basically the whole idea of this book is, the subtitle of the book is The Secret of Being Productive in Life and Business. So in this book here his whole kind of motivation or, or the, the what he was trying to promote to the reader was how to become a more productive person? And it's interesting, in some ways, I, I, I didn't find this book as insightful. Uh, I did, you know, it's not that I didn't value it at all, but The Power of Habit to me had a bit more of an effect on my thinking, but this one definitely had some good little insights in there. And some of them include... Uh, How do you choose the right frame to make decisions around? So for example, do you see your decisions as opportunities or do you see them as problems? Uh, Or do you see them as just set in their place so, you know, you can't have any influence upon them at all? And I kind of like this. I do. I love this whole idea of everything's just an opportunity. It's, you know, that kind of perspective that you have towards it. And and if it's a problem, well, how do we solve this problem? Uh, It goes into a lot of detail into how to construct a team and some really interesting to kind of insight into there and and more around it's not so much who's in the team it's more how they interact within a team that has a big influence on that how do you engage with a torrent of data that streams past your ever reading ever increasing speed so just kind of how do you deal with the data in the world how do you set goals and push beyond the small bore lists on your desk and stuff like that so kind of all this type of stuff and one thing Charles does at the end of his book is he basically kind of talks, he does a little bit at the end, I can't remember what it's called when you call the last bit at the end, but basically he talks about his experience in writing the book. And he just talks about how at first he was actually procrastinating on writing the book, and it's always ironic when you, I remember there's a guy called Merlin Mann who who does a podcast which I, I stopped listening to it, to be honest, cause I, he he was, he's a brilliant thinker, Um he really is, and his podcast was really, I'm not quite sure, well I do know why I stopped listening to it, um, he he he's, he, wrote, he did a talk a while ago called Zero Inbox, and Zero Inbox was quite influential in this kind of idea of how do you keep in control of your email inbox, and he did a talk at Google, and it became this this big thing, and um, Merlin Mann then got a publishing deal to write a book around Inbox Zero, and you know, he would have sold Thousands and thousands of books, but he never got around to writing it. And in one of his podcasts, he kind of was packing a bit of a sad because the publisher came to him and said, "Well, why don't we get a ghostwriter?" Because this isn't happening, and he was kind of very upset with the publisher. And I kind of get why because with credibility in that, but at the same time, I, I found it really fascinating. Here's a guy who kind of has made a life out about productivity, and he couldn't deliver. And in some ways, I lost a he lost a bit of credibility to me to me in that moment because. He, you know, he, he had some really great insight in this area, but was he actually someone who was living what he was talking? And I was probably a little bit unfair on him because I, I actually really enjoyed some of the insight he shared, but obviously that way it didn't work for him. But Charles, in his book, at the end of his book, he basically just talks about how at first it wasn't happening for him. And then he kind of started to think about the techniques that he was using in his book. And uh, then he talks, you know, we we took you through how he used these techniques to to get to the point where this book was finished, and there's some really good insight there. And, And it kind of aligned with, like, some of it aligned with stuff I've kind of always thought myself, like, basically one of the things he did was the weekly meeting like he basically said to himself you know I need to sit down every Sunday night and and assess my goals and plan my week and make some action plans around this and I know for myself that my weekly meeting is one of the keys for me having a successful week but one, one, one thing he talks about is this kind of idea of how do you frame situations how do you how do you see the future and there's one thing that I'm experiencing a lot in my life in this last period of time, which I, when I think about what helps me lead towards actions, like what helps me lead towards actions, and we can look at two examples, actions as in your just typical habits, well if we go back to what I was talking about earlier with Charles, my everyday habits are kind of in place, so they're easy, but when I look at actions where I'm a bit more challenged, and I'll share an example from yesterday, so yesterday I, uh, we we'd arrived home from Thailand on Saturday night, very late, and I and I struggled to get to sleep, so I probably got to sleep at about three o'clock in the morning, and I had to get up at, in the morning and teach two classes at the gym, and then I was teaching a four-hour workshop around running technique. And in between my classes and my running technique workshop, I had an hour and a half where I wanted to spend thirty minutes just prepping for the workshop to make sure I was on top of my content, and then I wanted to do some leg exercises. I want to do some leg weights. I've been—I I probably talked about this in the show a couple of weeks ago. How you know I've been getting back into the weights, and for the last I think three months I haven't missed a session. And uh, it's always hard to come back from holiday, but I had one session to do this week, and it was my leg weights. And I woke up in the morning, and I knew there was plenty of reasons why I could justify not doing my leg weights. Uh, a, I just got back from holiday and I had bugger with sleep, B, I had a massive day of work in front of me, C, leg weight days are a little bit harder, and so I had lots of reasons to justify not doing my weights. But at the same time, I'm kind of enjoying the momentum of my success at the moment. I wanted to, I wanted to keep that going. I like the fact that I haven't missed a day in two or three months, and you know, I, I could have maybe gone, "Oh, you know what? Do the legs tomorrow." But I kind of that seven days, getting it done in seven days means I've completed that success. And in that moment, I just knew the strategy that was going to get me through. There's two strategies. I needed to allow myself to mentally think it's going to be an easy leg day. And why is that? Because I needed to give myself the chance to just to, to start. And it's one thing Charles talked about when it came down to writing his, doing his book. He was saying that he would he would often dread the idea of doing emails, and that for him, he'd sit down and just, you know, he had 50 emails in front of him, and it just was over, it was a burden. And at night, he'd sit down to his emails, and it just put him off, and so delay it, and then he wouldn't end up doing the work, and then when he was meant to do his his book work that wasn't happening and so what he thought about was well maybe what I need to do is have a, an easier entry point into my email so he said that basically I can keep an email within maybe I can't remember exactly what he did but he might for example I can keep an email within Two lines, and I can I can reject any offer that comes to me by email, or I can put a small context around it. So if someone wants a meeting with me, I can say, "Yep, I can do that meeting, but I can only do twenty minutes," or you know, something like that. And that's one thing I did with regards to you know the the idea of doing my leg weights yesterday was that you know what, to, today is not going to be the day that I'm going to do the best leg weights I've ever done in my life. But for me, success today is just just getting started with my leg weights. But the more important thing I did, and, and this is a strategy I've probably talked a little bit about on the show in the past, but it's it's one that I just think more and more as I continue on in my journey of life that is important for success, was I future-thunk my way, I'm not sure if thunk is a word, is a word but I, I thought my way through my future decision. I made the, the choices I had to make for that moment in the morning, like when I was sitting in bed and thinking about my day and working through my day, I really thought about, okay, Mm -hmm. this is the moment where, this is the moment I'm going to have in a day It's going to be most challenging, what decisions am I going to make at that time, and then I also put my focus on how do I want to feel at the end of the session, and to me, this is one of the the, the most powerful tools that I've introduced into my life. And, and it's something I've always, well, I've, you know, I've done for a while, but I'm putting more emphasis on in this period of my life because I'm just discovering it just helps me to do those harder things in my life. And it, the, 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 the tool is, is to future think what I want to do, seeing myself doing it, and feeling the rewards of making those choices. What I want to do feeling myself do it, and feeling the reward of making those choices. And that was one thing Charles was talking about in his book. He was talking about how mental frames, how a lot of people don't necessarily have a good mental framework when it comes to the challenges that they have in front of themselves. And to me, it's kind of a little bit about fortune-telling. You know, when we think about the day in front of you, we kind of, if we stop and think about the actions I have to take, There is a bit of fortune-telling about what you're going to see in front of you. But it's not blind fortune-telling. We can kind of see the the trajectory or all the things we're going to face, unless you're doing something that's totally new and you have no experience around it. But those those moments are pretty rare. Really what we're looking at is, you know, going to experiences we kind of know anyway, and then using that framework, that mental framework, to, to plan to be successful and the more I'm learning in my life and in pretty much every situation I have now I'm trying to, you know as I think of that kind of morning meeting I have for myself or that moment where I sit down in front of my computer and write out my list of kind of goals for the day it's not just about writing out the list it's not just about having the weekly meeting it's about future thinking and planning for success and planning for the reward that I want to experience in that moment now my experience of... of, getting better of using this tool of future thinking and planning for success and feeling the reward so it becomes a motivator has taught me that my percentage rate of me being achieving the thing I planned increases massively. Like it's really fascinating, like yesterday's an example, like I really had good excuses. Like if I hadn't done an yesterday, anyone could have gone, you know what, give yourself a break. It's okay, and, and I, I wouldn't have beat myself up if I didn't do the leg weights yesterday. I wanted to, but if I didn't, you know, I, you know, I would do them today. I'm not, it's not, I'm not losing myself, but I did it. And did I do the hardest leg weights of all time? Well, no, I didn't. I've got to say, it was, you know, a session where I just kind of ticked the box. And I was happy with that, and I felt really good about myself. And what was really interesting is I taught two classes back to back and I remember just walking downstairs and it in that moment where I could have made the other choice because the gym's a three-story gym and so I was in the top story and I was, the weights room's in the second story. And I remember just walking downstairs and I was in that moment where I could have gone, you know what, just go grab something to eat, you've got to prep for the seminar, you know, you, you can do this tomorrow. But it, that thought didn't even pop up. The, the, I pretty much just walked downstairs, I, I had to put my bag in the room so i go and put my bag in the, in the changing room and went straight into weights room and just started doing my exercise, like in that moment there was no fight, there was no battle because I had already won the battle by preloading and future thinking that earlier on in the day and, and to me again, as I reinforce this, to me this is one of the most powerful tools that I'm learning to use in my life that helps me to be successful in my exercise, you know, and, and for me it's something I'm trying to use with intensity of exercise And just, it's a tool that I feel is really valuable. So if I were to turn this around and put it upon you, when you think about the times in your past when you have really future thought your way through a challenging moment and you've planned that based on experience of success and how to be successful and how you're going to feel, what kind of actions did that lead to? And then maybe another way to think about it is in those moments where maybe you deep down knew you had a challenging time coming up, but you didn't prepare yourself well, where did that lead you? Did one lead you to a place where you took the actions and you felt quite good about yourself? And did one lead to a place where you didn't do it and ultimately felt slightly dissatisfied in yourself? Like it's interesting when we think about getting into exercise, future planning is such a great strategy. Because if you can future plan the little things, and again, if we go back to Charles's kind of thing of just this, that small entry point, which is something I'm always big on myself, is let's say you haven't exercised ever, the, the, maybe you can future plan the gear prep and getting out the door. And again, once I get out the door, I just go for a walk. It's those types of things that we want to think about. So I suppose as I kind of try to wrap this kind of part up that I'm talking about here, is that what I'm saying is Charles Duhigg is reinforcing this idea of what are your mental frames that you're putting around the context in your life and if we look at our life in these moments that are challenging, how good are you at future thinking those moments so you're setting yourself up for success in those moments and here comes the challenge. So, what I want you to do, and and again, I I like this idea of chucking a challenge at you guys, and and you can determine how you're going to do this, but there's probably a few, few things I want to do for you. I'm going to put a challenge in front of you, and here's the challenge. I want you to practice your future thinking skill. I want you to embrace this whole idea of, I'm going to practice future thinking. And you can determine on what level that you want to go to so when i mean that i mean you can choose to go for challenges that are easy or easier or you can go ones that are very very demanding and in some ways if you're someone who hasn't really built this muscle this kind of future thinking muscle in your life i would really encourage you to start with small wins so really start to look at your days and look for those little moments that could kind of go either way but aren't majorly challenging for yourself and then well but you could also do it in the moments that are extremely challenging as well. But I, the idea of doing the small ones is that you just build that momentum and that build that success with it so that you learn to go to that. And then when those really big challenging moments come up, you'll be kind of better prepared and better experienced at having those future moments. So here's the kind of the challenge I want to put in front of you. There's kind of a, a three-step process. You need to commit to a time in your morning where you're going to future think of the day. So that can be before you get out of bed. Now that's kind of what I do. I kind of sit in bed and just kind of spend five minutes and just kind of visualize my day and, and kind of look for those moments. So you, the first step is the first step in the challenge is to commit to a moment where I'm going to scan my day. Within that scanning, you're going to find those that one challenge moment that you're going to find. And you can do more than one, but if for now within this challenge, I want you to do that, you know, for one thing within your day. It might be exercise, it might be a challenging thing at work, it might be something like that. You know, that those challenging moments in your day. And then what I want you to do is to future think through that moment. Now what you're looking for is what you perceive will be perceived challenges within it. What actions you're going to take. To overcome those challenges and how are you going to feel when you take the actions that allow you to overcome those challenges so again what challenges do i can i see myself facing what choices will i make that actually make me feel that i'm making progress or heading in the right path and then how am i going to feel once i've done that then the last step in the process is once I've done that, that once I've had that moment, so it might be that I was meant to do some exercise and, and I saw that moment and I did the actions and I felt great, is just to have a moment of reflection to go, A, why was I successful? And B, how can I tweak this to be maybe, maybe be more successful in the future? So I'll, I'll kind of say that again. So here's the challenge. You need a scan moment in your day, and I really encourage it to be in the morning. And in that scare moment, your future thinking in three things. What the challenge is going to be, what actions I'll help will make that will make me move in the right path, and how I'm going to feel. Then when that moment hits, live that moment, and then post that moment to reflect in a way that makes you learn from the experience so you can be better next time. So that's kind of the process I want you to put into your life. The second aspect I want you to do is to do it, aim to do it, 80% of the time in the next two weeks so we've got 14 days so 80% of 14 is probably gonna put about you know you want to do it maybe 10 times 11 times so let's say well let's go for 10 in the next 14 days you have to aim to do Bevan's future thinking challenge I like that there's, there's even got a name to it um 10 times and if you want one thing i would really encourage is, is to create a check box you know put it on your fridge or have it on your phone or, or put it somewhere that you just each day that once you've done the you know the reflection moment you're just going to tick that box and just go yep today i did my future thinking so that's my challenge to you now as you're listening to me right now i imagine a few guys are getting excited and you think yep this is for me i'm going to embrace it How do you set yourself up for success for this? How do you make sure that you do get those 10 days happening out of the 14? How do we make sure that that's going to happen? A lot of the times we get excited. You know, one of the things about reading books is, one of the downfalls of reading a lot of books is we can get good ideas, but we never actually action the ideas. And one of the downfalls of that is we never put the time aside to put the the things we learn and implement them in our lives. And so, as you listen to this, and and if you've been excited by the idea of the Bevan's kind of future thinking challenge, well, how do you make sure that you do this? And, And to me, the biggest thing you need to commit to is the morning scan. So how do you make sure you get that morning scan in? It might be that you wake up five minutes earlier. It might be that when you get in the car, you, before you turn it on, you just scan then. I'm not quite sure how it will work for you because it's such an individual thing but that's what I want you to do. The real challenge right now is to get the morning scan started because if I do the morning scan, I'm going to work through that process that we've talked about, I'm going to feel the reward, I'll probably feel successful which then there's a higher chance I'll do the morning scan the next morning. So there you have it, Bevan's Future Thinking Challenge. Now what I want you to do is if you do this you know this is a fortnightly podcast so I know next show is going to be the interview show but at the beginning of the next show I'm going to read out a few emails from people who have actually done it so maybe by the time I do the next show now I know a lot of people will listen to this in the future because that's the nature of podcasting but if you are getting to this show when it currently is I'm going to be recording the next show on the 11th of July in 2016 so if you can email me before then um, and I'll read your email out and just tell me how you've gone with my future challenge and uh, let me know some insights that you've gained from doing this challenge. Now, why is this a good challenge? Well, as I was saying before, I'm learning in my life that the more that I future think myself through my challenging periods, the more I'm successful in my challenging periods. So if I can embrace a thing like this challenge that I'm putting to you for here now, Ideally, if you do 10 days out of 14, you're going to experience a more successful period in in those 10 days. And it will teach you, and it will start to create that habit of, oh, this is something I just need to have in my life. And ideally, that's what we want. We want this to be a thing, a tool that you use in your life that helps you to evolve, and maybe even evolve this tool, so that in a year from now, the way you use this tool is even much more powerful than how you use it now. So there you go. I always finish this kind of this segment of the show with become a better version of yourself. So so take on Bevan's challenge and who knows, maybe you'll be a better version of yourself. Right our team, that's pretty much this fortnight's episode i would say a week this part of the show but this fortnight's episode it's um hopefully, hopefully you you're going to embrace my challenge i i kind of like this idea and maybe it's something i'm going to do more of in the show over the next period of time is kind of challenge you and, and obviously one thing i can do is chuck some exercise challenges at you because that's kind of what the show's meant to be about so maybe in the next time i do a bevan show i'm going to chuck an exercise challenge at you and uh you can choose to embrace these challenges. And, and ideally, maybe what we can do moving forward is once we get a bit of momentum with these challenges, is put a Facebook page together or something like that where you guys can actually share how you're going with the challenges because it's just a way, you know, motivation how do you motivate yourself is a really interesting question. And there's lots of different th- ways to do that. And I, I just, I suppose the question to ask you is if you were successful in knocking the 10 days out of 14 in my challenge, do you feel you'll be in a better place? Now, if the answer is yes, well, that's a good reason to take on this challenge and, you know, to learn what you can learn through this journey. So, there you go. Our team, uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to bevanjamesos.com or become a patron of the show. I just want to say to people who already are patrons, you really... Really do mean much, uh, so much to me. You like it's you know like it's it's really important to feel the support of those who kind of enjoy your work. And so you know those who give up some of their hard earned cash to support what I'm doing, you guys are absolute stars. So just thank you so much for the patrons who are already patrons. And if you want to become a patron, just go to bivenjamesols Also, if you have any questions that you want to send through to me, you can just send it through to bevanjames at gmail.com Actually, I'm going to share something with you that I'm really proud of. um uh, I, I, I It's funny, New Zealand culture is the kind of tall poppy culture. So in New Zealand, we have this culture of... I was actually talking to this with one of my clients today. One of my clients was talking about how they, they lived in China for a while and or lived in Asia for a while, and how, how in a lot of Asian culture, you want to show your wealth. And they're quite material. And, and the reason they're material is it's they just want to show that they've done well. And it's not necessarily a kind of... I'm better than you showing well. It's just to kind of show I've worked really hard and, and I'm I'm showing you that I'm allowed to reward myself because of materials. And in New Zealand, it's kind of the opposite. In New Zealand, you know, if you do well, you kind of want to kind of push it down a little bit and you don't want to necessarily kind of stand up. And we call it tall poppy syndrome in New Zealand. And the whole idea is that poppies, the tall poppy always gets chopped off so it's in line with everyone else. And, you know, there is that whole idea of how do you show pride in a way that's really genuine. And and I just had a moment that I'm really proud of that I want to share with you guys. Um, I took, I, I sometimes I've got a friend called Kate, who's a teacher at one of the local schools in Christchurch, and um, every year she'll ask me to do some running coaching with the kids. And uh, most of the time, unfortunately, I aren't able to do it. And this year she asked me if I could, and she ideally and her, she would like me to come along and do maybe six to ten sessions with the kids before their big running event that they'll be having. And uh, I was going, oh, holiday, so I couldn't do it. And she said, well, can you just come do one session? And, um, yeah, and so I said, well, what, no, and I could, and so I did. And I went and I did the session with the kids. And, you know, for me, when I'm working with kids, you've got to make it fun. You've got to make it an environment where nobody feels like a failure, but you can also challenge them. You, you've got to make them feel successful. You, you, you've got to make them, I don't know, you've just got to make them help. You're there to facilitate them enjoying what you're they're doing and believing in themselves. That's you know that's and also kind of characteristics around that makes the group better. I think that that's kind of I haven't really thought about this, but I, to me in the back of my mind, that's probably my motivations going to this is that fun environment to support them to, for everyone to grow their belief for for them to build their characteristics and for them to realise that we are better as a whole. I don't know it's just kind of what I believe. So I went into the session with the kids and it was a it was a cool session and um you know I kind of did what I do. And this morning I taught a a class at the gym. I taught in a spin class and after there's another class straight afterwards and there's a girl who I actually went to high school with who um her kind of I I kind of just say hello to. We don't talk a lot because often the class is um you know, between classes is not much time, but I've kind of just said hello to her over the times, and she came up to me before class today, and she just said, oh, wow, my daughter did your running thing a couple weeks ago, and um, she she said it, it was amazing, and she said that, for her daughter, it helped her enjoy running. Like her daughter was a good runner, so she was obviously going to the next level—not just the school running champs, but obviously the zones, which is that next level. Um, but she kind of didn't necessarily love running. But something about what I did in that session helped her really enjoy running and really want to get better at it. And um, I just felt great. Like I just, I just felt really awesome. Like I'm—I I have to put my finger on why what I did with that kid worked, and, and but something did, and I don't know, I just felt really proud of the fact that I was able to help that kid get something within them, um, why do I share this with you, I don't know, I just, I just wanted to share a moment that I'm proud of, um, how you take that, that's how you take that, maybe something that we can all get better at is being a person who allows to share our good, and, um, and also allows others to share their good. Because I have to admit, as I say this to you, I'm kind of almost slightly embarrassed that I say it as well. And maybe that's the thing I need to overcome. You know, there is arrogance and there is cockiness and all the rest of it. But I think sharing those moments when we're proud of ourselves is something that we should do in our lives. And is something that we should not be ashamed of. Like, I am proud of what I, you know, that moment this morning, I kind of had that kind of fluffy stomach or I don't know that kind of chest proud moment to felt good about myself or something I'd done and so you know maybe in your own life share with the right people and was, the right people is probably important because some people will, their insecurities will deflate that but you know those people who are in your life who are close to you and who are special make sure you share your proud moments because I want more moments like I want more moments in my life where I see the effects of my work are, are helping people and, and if I'm allowed to feel good about that, that's going to encourage me to move more towards it. So, yeah, hopefully, maybe, you send me what you feel proud of, you know. And uh, hopefully, in two weeks from now, I'll be getting lots of emails from you guys saying, you know what, Bev, I'm really proud of the fact I nailed your your future thoughts challenge. So there you go. I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. I've got an interview lined up for that. So you guys rock on, and I'll see you soon. <laughs>